You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. I, I get, we'll call this a mini podcast because it's not going to be as long as, uh, certainly not as long as the last podcast I did with Sue Bird, but... It is a guest, of course, who's been on this podcast many times and has been part of the mini-podcast experience. It is Austin Karp, the Sports Business Journal Managing Editor slash Digital. Also, now an established podcast host, as he is fronting their sports media podcast. Welcome, Austin Karp. Big air quotes on that established, Richard. I got a long way to catch up to you. Uh, Well... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure the truth or is in the advertising. All right, let's. I want, I'm actually going to start off with your podcast, Austin. Then we'll get into some quick topics. Sure. So obviously, uh, John O'Ran has moved to Puck. Andrew Marchand has now moved to the Athletic to be my colleague. Which obviously, both those guys the best. It's been. Uh, it's been great to have Marchand here. I, I expect John to do great work at Puck. He already is. But what is really great is that um, this podcast continues, and you've now. Um, You've now, I, I would put you in the host role, and so sometimes like you'll have other colleagues from SBJ on, and also a lot of like what I do, you'll bring somebody from the broader industry on and to do an interview. So clearly the podcast will continue. Like, how do you see it right now? I don't know if you're going to do it obviously forever, but in terms of where, because obviously there's a lot of crossover between my podcast and that one. So for listeners who listen to both, where at least in the short term is the one that you're hosting going to go? Well, we're going to obviously stay very focused on what our bread and butter is, sports business and sports media in particular. But, you know, maybe you can see us branch out a little more. And, you know, like you said earlier, like I have nothing but all the respect and love in the world from Andrew Marchand and John Aran. They were always great to work with. They brought me on and they had an incredible relationship and their podcast was fun. So we want to try to keep as many of the, you know, smart talk elements and really lean into what SBJ has been doing for close to 30 years, like giving you an insider's look into sports business. And we've done that with some producers. We've done it with some talent. And, you know, like, you know, in producing a podcast, it's just, uh, it's, it's work to keep it going. And it, but it's fun. It's been interesting to get to know some of these folks that I haven't really had one-on-one talks with before. Um, you know, I've known Steve Phelps and we've talked before, but I've never talked to Taylor Twelman before. It was really cool to have him on. And he was such an easygoing guy and such a great conversation. So it was, it was really, it's really good to get started on this. That's cool. A couple of things. One, we've already cut too many nice promos for Oran and Marsha. <laughs> my head is already hurting. So that's one. Uh, two, the thing is, the th- you know, you are correct. Like it, it's podcasting is a lot of work. And I really admire the people who actually have like, you know, 10 million listens a month or, or a week or whatever. Um, Patrick obviously does the the hard labor for this podcast. I do have to book and that is that is endless work 
uh, in terms of just figuring out what the concept will be, scheduling, etc. But the one thing, Austin, uh, and then we'll move on to some sports media topics that I just think is interesting about sports business journalists. You know, when I see the people that you have at your conferences, essentially you could really – you know the com- the conferences you you guys get major league commissioners you get yep. uh, owners of teams so like in theory like you should if you if you specifically Austin Carp continue this there's like no reason to me you almost couldn't get anybody in sports because the because of your the sports business journal brand and i wonder if you're going to maybe try to go for that where i don't know in a, you know 5 weeks from now maybe you get uh you know, Jerry Jones on, I mean, it's not the greatest example. You know what I'm saying though? But like you mm-hmm. can get Rob Manfred or people like that. Well, the Cowboys PR is listening. Yes. would love to have uh, <laughs> Jerry come on the show. Happy to have him come and talk about, you know, whatever he would like to talk about football media, off season combine draft, who he's going to be taking in the first round. I'm sure people would love to know that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, like SBJ has access to like all levels of sports business. We continue to be the leading publication covering sports business and it's becoming an increasingly popular space we've seen some people pop up and try to do what we've been doing for so long and respect what they're doing but yeah we continue to be the industry leaders in doing this and a lot of a lot of people like you said team owners team executives league executives all up and down the industry you know want to continue to hear what we have to say yeah i'm a long. i mean listen i mean you're you abe O'Ran, everybody knows i'm a long time admirer of what you guys do you've you guys have done just phenomenal work now for decades. And, you know, the fact that the sport goes in the front office sports is or whoever else you mm-hmm. want to sort of name in the space, that's a tribute to SBJ. Like that, that there's a yeah, reason and I have they a former exist. colleagues at a lot of those places. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of good talent at those places. All right. That's the promotional part of this, of this broadcast. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, so now we'll move on. All right. Here's where I want to start. Uh, and we'll start in your wheelhouse. Uh, let's go, let's start with Daytona. Um, so I saw the Daytona 500, like not surprisingly, the, uh, the race dropped pretty significantly, which was going to happen because the race was on a Monday and obviously, you know, anytime you get a delay, a rain delay, or anytime you get a, you know, a cancellation, it's going to have massive impact. What was interesting is like, I don't know, Austin, if you watched the race, I did. It was really like fascinating, particularly those last Mm -hmm. couple laps with that massive crash was unbelievable. That big crash at the end was, was amazing. I mean, it's not great. You never want to see a crash. Yeah, of course. But, uh, that, that, it, it makes for good TV. Thankfully, everybody was healthy. And let me give a shout out to Fox uh, in terms of like the their access when it comes to in like driver cameras, like inside that car is incredible. Mm-hmm. And like you really like felt like you were inside the car on those crashes. Like the, some uh-huh. of the imaging that they got was a was phenomenal again like i i i like nascar I'm, i can't say i watch it every week but I, but i probably watch it more than i think a lot of people might think and um and, and again i i kudos to them because it was it was really uh just unbelievable production Austin, to me i just look at this as like honestly a total one-off uh yeah you're not gonna like the headline that like the viewership number was this low but like literally i think you can to me you point to it all just literally because of the uh, the change in date. I, I don't think it says anything mm-hmm. about NASCAR. How'd you say it? No, I mean, you saw that reflected in the uptick in the rights fee they were able to get. That was coming off what was last season was their least watched Cup Series season. Yeah, and they were still able to get a rights, tick, rights fee uptick because it continues to draw, like call it 3 million viewers a race throughout the course of the season. But uh, I mean, just circling back to what you said earlier on the production. Yeah, if you were watching... Fox, that they were like cleaning off the track during that last crash. And you, like you said, you saw all those camera angles. I mean, as a casual fan, to see that and just see the access that they have and all the different angles, it was just an incredible production. But I mean, you also need on the ratings front, getting back to that, NASCAR is so unique in that as the Daytona 500 number goes, 
so goes the season a lot of times. And when you start off the season like this and your biggest race of the season, and, you know, Phelps alluded to this when we talked before the race, you know, the president asked for Steve Phelps, that if they do get moved, you're talking about a 20 to 25% drop or so. And that's what happened. It got moved from Sunday to Monday afternoon, 27% drop. And now you're trying to play catch up the rest of the season. So they're going to have to go week by week and just try to see an uptick here, try to see an uptick there. You know, in the back half of the season, last year, they had the novelty of the first Chicago street race. Yes, it's coming back. But, you know, year two on novel races like that, the audience typically drops off a little bit. So where is NASCAR going to be able to make up ground there, especially coming off what was a record low season last year? It's It just puts them in a tough spot to begin the season, but still a strong media property, but really sucks to see the Daytona have to move to a Monday like that. Yeah, always. All right, let's uh, do the NCAA tournament in terms of how you see momentum. Uh, the women's tournament could not have better momentum coming in as we t- as we tape this late february mm-hmm. you know between caitlin clark obviously just a, a you know a, a national phenomenon at this point lsu south carolina juju watkins at usc obviously i have covered the sport so i am probably more familiar with it than your average sports fan but the viewership numbers austin have been phenomenal during the regular season obviously a lot of that is caitlin clark i'd expect that momentum to continue in the ncaa tournament and i expect them to have a a really, really strong viewership tournament. I don't expect them to get the same final number unless Iowa is in it, and I don't. I don't think I. I, I don't think there's a chance Iowa is going to be in the final. So I think you will have a decline there, even though I think that final number will be good. The men, actually, in terms of a viewership story, Austin are actually maybe even ironically enough more interesting because their issue, in my opinion, is the issue that the college basketball has had now for a little bit, and it's a lack of the public knowing star players. That that said, and then I'll send it to you, maybe it doesn't matter because the NCAA tournament in itself, right, is in some ways, it doesn't necessarily matter who the stars are on the tournament. You're watching that because you're into the brackets. You're watching that because you're a gambler. You're watching that for the one-and-done nature. But I must say, in terms of momentum, women's college basketball has all the momentum right now, and men's college basketball does not. How do you see it? I would agree. I mean, the Caitlin Clark phenomenon has been just incredible for women's basketball this season. You first saw that probably starting late last season into the championship game. I mean, there are more women's basketball games drawing over a million viewers this regular season than I've ever seen before. And it's more buzz than I can possibly remember. I mean, I think the heyday of Tennessee-UConn rivalry back in the day, that was kind of before I started. But in terms of like one ratings magnet being able being just moving the needle like this, it's been really fun to watch what Caitlin Clark can do. She's gonna be highlighted. Probably, I'm guessing on an ABC window during that opening weekend, wherever Iowa ends up. And yeah, if you're ESPN, you're really hoping that she makes a run and continues to be a draw into the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and beyond. I don't want to say that the national title game will see a drop because I don't know if Iowa does make a run. Maybe she does get hot and, you know, maybe, maybe the team just gels together more around her. Let's see if, if, if she's not in though. Yeah. I mean, it was an incredible record number that last year. And even if LSU makes it back, I, I can see that seeing a, you know, a, a noticeable drop in the number there. 9.9 million for LSU, South Carolina. It, I'm sorry for uh, LSU, Iowa, not LSU, South Carolina. It, it just, if, if she's not there, there's, I just think you're. It was such an outlier number, like against everything historically. I just, I don't think you can think it's going to come close without her. The real interesting thing will be like, does it draw six million? You know what I mean? Does it draw five million? Which you know, this as a viewership guy, 
is a, would be a phenomenal number compared to what it was even like, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. So I'm with you. I think if she's not in the no, final. Six million to be great. Six million is more than what the Daytona 500 got on Monday. Exactly. I think that that's, they would really the be happy with, with that if Caitlin Clark is not there. But if it's LSU South Carolina, I think it's still going right. to be yeah, yeah. a respectable I, I, type of number. Yeah, I expect South Carolina to be there. I, I, I would be very surprised if not in the final. Okay, so go to the men. What's your thought on the men? You know, I, I think – there's no one player that's going to draw that. There's no Zion Williamson that, you know, is an eyeball magnet this year. So what they want, they want blue buds. You want the blue buds to make it far. And that's not what, I mean, last year had a record low championship game. You had a UConn versus San Diego state. I mean, that wasn't even, wasn't even the top 100 most watched telecasts of the year, Richard. We're talking about the NCAA basketball championship. That can't happen. So you got to get some blue buds back in there. You got to get some bigger names. I mean, who's the biggest draw on the men's side you can think of for a player? Is, is it Zach Eady or maybe, maybe. I don't. I, honestly, the the problem is I I don't I don't think there's a singular. No, and, but I, don't, way, I agree. Is, I don't think there is. You know what I mean? Like this is not to say that there's not great players. Of course, they'll, they'll play in the NBA. But you know what I'm saying? There's not there's not a singular co- a men's college basketball player that I think has captured the public's attention. No, I, I would totally agree. So it's going to be very school dependent. You want to see a North Carolina or a Duke or a Kentucky or, I mean, can UConn defend? They're ranked number one in the AP poll right now. There are some really strong blue blood teams that are there. Michigan State is not is outside the top 25 right now, but, they're, you know, they'll probably be in the dance. And But do you want to see FAU and, and, uh, and you know, San Diego State make it again if you're CBS? You know, probably not. You would probably like to see an uptick there. I mean, the, the whole tournament was down 7% or so last year. You, you want to see some of the bigger names make it further. You do. I mean, what's interesting is, like, some of the best teams, Austin, like, right now um, are just not traditional television draws. Houston, right? Yeah. Iowa State. Uh, Purdue. Um, like, you know, there's, there's Purdue, Marquette. Yeah, obviously, like, you know, Duke, Carolina, they're, I think they're in the top 10 or the top 11, whatever it is. UConn, obviously, is a mm-hmm. uh, is a blue blood team. But, you know, that it's going to be interesting to watch depending on who gets to the finals. And it's probably a pretty good test of, like, is the tournament itself, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Is The, the numbers event, are still respectable on the whole. Yeah, yeah. Is the event itself ultimately, mm-hmm. like, strong enough where in some ways it's, like, uh, star player proof? Do you know what I mean? But if you're, I mean, if you get like Creighton Dayton in your national title game, yeah, I mean, those are really good teams that have the potential to do that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I don't think you're going to be pushing 15, between 15 and 20 million like you used to. You're going to be thinking, that, shoot, that could get between 12 and 14 million viewers. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it's a big, it's a big thing for CBS and Turner. Um, in, in, they're going to have to try to market as, it as best as they can. And it's, there's not an easy solution because mm-hmm. like you can't, what do you, what do you do? Introduce the public to some of these players where, um, they've never heard of them, you know, prior to the first mm-hmm. game, they'll watch them on the first round. It's, um, it's not easy. This is why NBC historically, when it comes to the Olympics, you know, uh, you're, you're going to watch over the next couple of months. They're going to try to educate you as best they can on who the stars of the Paris games will be. That that's sort of what the marketing uh, run up is. The Angie's list, you know, and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's list is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.
All right, uh, real quick, CNBC reporting that Amazon will pay $150 million to televise a wild card playoff game. Uh, obviously, everybody knows the uh, uh, Peacock uh, exper- experiment, well, it's not even an experiment, experience, I should say, this year and what they paid. And I think they would say it was a success, although we don't obviously know what the churn rate was. But like this is now, you know, Austin, This we're going to read this headline every year. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's Amazon or someone else. And I would not be surprised in short order if we uh, move very quickly to a second postseason game behind a paywall. I, I, I'm not a Super Bowl championship game. It's coming behind the paywall. I think we're a long way from that kind of stuff. But um, would not surprise me next year if, 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 if an Amazon or somebody else had two of them. Uh, what you would you make of the number, the, one six, the 150 that CNBC reported? Well, I think that was... That was more in line with what I was thinking as far as an uptick because it was 110 the year before. And there had been some initial reports that it was only to be 120 million. I was like, that seems really low. So good on Alex Sherman for getting the actual price out there. That a $40 million uptick for that game makes a lot of sense, especially when you saw that you can draw on Peacock. I mean, it obviously includes over the air and local markets, but you can draw an audience that was bigger than what NBC had the year before on the broadcast channel. So it's proven out that you can draw a comparable audience for the wild card round. And, you know, as far as sports moving over to streaming with big events like this, it's incremental. And this, and I agree that you're going, you're going to see eventually in, in the next year, two years, whatever it is, another wild card game that is going to be on a streaming platform. It just makes sense. That's where the eyeballs are going. And it, we've shown that the audience numbers can match what linear TV was able to produce for that round. You know, what's interesting, Ben, and this is, this is all from your, colleague ben fisher who's also been on this podcast is and peter king i think wrote about this a little bit too is to look for the uh the nfl to maybe have a new package where it's essentially like the international rights package you know what i mean like the games that are being played abroad that that's gonna come it's i don't know when it's gonna come but um but that's interesting and I'll be really, really curious if, if, if yeah, I'm sure somebody will eventually get the price of that. I'll be curious of what the price is on that because obviously some of those games will be earlier in the morning, but um, you might get some great teams, you know, in that. You may, you may get like a Chiefs or something like that playing in, uh, just making this up, Germany mm-hmm. or Ireland. Um, Which they did. Yeah. So they're going to get, they're going to, you know, on top of the um, adding new revenue sources from the streamers. They're also, mm-hmm. I think, going to be able to sell this new package, too, of, of games to somebody. Yeah. I mean, never mind that the Chiefs are the best team in football on the field. They have made incredible strides off the field in trying to open up that NFL international markets program. They've done it in Germany, and now more teams are finally seeing the advantage of, you know, that's how they're going to grow their fan base. That's how they're going to grow their bottom line, is opening up American football fandom to these different markets. Okay, we have Brazil. I mean, that a Brazil game. Lines up incredibly well because you can put it in prime time. It, exactly. it, the time Great zones time. match yep. up. But those Sunday morning games, when they're on NFL Network even, are drawing between you know 5 and 10 million viewers. That I think the Germany game with the Chiefs was closer to 10 million viewers, just under that. So there is an audience there. It has the window to itself. Yeah, it cuts into some of the pregame action. you got to wake up in the morning, and you know, especially if you're on the West Coast. You're prob- I hope you're setting your fantasy lineup the night before. But there is a window for that. Their fans will watch in pretty respectable numbers. Yeah, listen, eight million is a, that's a low Amazon game on Thursday night, right? So there's a package there to be sold. Yeah, right, exactly. All right, uh, all right. Final one. We'll keep this fairly short. Um, do you have any 
broad thoughts on the EA Sports new college football game, which uh, will include some looks like prominent broadcasters, but also the name, image, and likeness uh, money to the players, which I think mm-hmm. looks at this point like maybe 600 bucks or something to that effect, and also a copy of the game. I mean, I say this, um, I say this seriously, but you know, also I say this uh, incredibly sarcastic. I-, I think EA Sports should pay all these college football players the exact same amount they pay the ESPN broadcasters. Let's make this even. You know, of course, they're not going to. But how do you see this? Because like this is, um, I don't know, I saw that story and it's pretty interesting to me because I think that game is going to be immensely popular because, mm-hmm. you know, you grew up in a college football community. I didn't in New yep. York, but obviously I understand the popularity of college football. This strikes me, I th- people have been clamoring for this game, right? And it seems like it's going to be a can't-miss hit. When NIL started, this was the first thing everybody had in their mind. This was, this was, uh, this was what everyone wanted, this situation. And now the players are going to be getting paid. I think it's going to be great. I've always been a fan of EA's football games from college and Madden. Like it's what I played when I was younger. And like you said, like in the South, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge for Alabama fans. It's going to, you're you're going to be able to play that game again. And there's just this built up, you know, people want to play. They haven't been able to play in years. So that also has to do with it. And I think it's just a win for the players. I think it's a win for fans. Heck, I mean, I got kids that are coming of video game age, and I'd rather be playing this with them than watching them play Call of Duty, to be quite honest. So I'm going to lean into it, you know, as far as being a father and wanting to play a video game with my kids. And I I see it as nothing but a positive for the athletes and for the sports business. All right. That's interesting. Um, And I will – I will I will be paying attention and normally I'm I'm not a gamer but I will be paying attention to the sales of this one cuz I'm just kind oh, yeah. of uh, curious and then I guess in theory Austin like uh if I project this out this would be the model right if you decided if the EA Sports is of the world then decided to do this with other sports right like the uh you know I actually don't know this is there a college basketball equivalent of this you know, I'm not sure, but I nothing nothing comes to mind thinking about that. But you like logically, like there would be a market for 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 that. Both, and you know, you obviously have men's and women's, and you you know uh-huh. you can play, you can pick whatever your favorite team is. You know, like this year, if like uh, women's basketball had a game, and you're like, yeah, you know, you could play Caitlin Clark or something like that. You know what I mean? Versus like UConn or something like that'd be awesome. Yeah, and you've been able to do it in the soccer game, I think, but I think you've been able to play NWSL players and teams for the first time in recent years. So there there would be a market to include women's players for sure. I do have kids who have FIFA, so I am I'm a little more familiar with uh with, with the soccer. Can't uh, call FIFA anymore. They got rid of that license. Just EAFC. Yeah, you're right. Excellent point. By the way, uh, you know, I happen to you'll appreciate this just uh, like uh, because it's sort of a business story. So the MLS season starts, right? Obviously starts as we're taping this essentially. And Inter Miami obviously is the hot team in MLS and everybody's interested in seeing Messi and 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 when that team comes to uh comes to a town. Um the Messi's first appearance in Toronto is the last game of the year, which Please. if Inter Miami is like, you know, by then like has clinched a playoff spot and it's like, you know, October really starting to get a little cold in Toronto. I, I, I see no chance the, the man from Argentina makes it across the border. I mean, I, if you're a fan, and if you're especially a knowledgeable fan, you got to... It's buyer beware. I don't know. It's buyer beware. Yeah, it's, it's caveat emptor. You got to understand it's, it's the end of the season. It's the playoffs. Like, if you're an NBA fan, you kind of understand load management at this point. If LeBron's coming to your town, if Katie's coming, like, there, there's a chance they may not play. 
So, you know, you just got to go into it knowing that that may be part of the experience. And by the way, I mean, we're taping this early. Good job by Kevin Durant showing patience with those idiotic fans who, uh, yeah. who, 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 one, called him a bitch, and then two, I wanted to chat with him. I mean, the fucking, just the height of, uh, of, uh, anyway, it sucks. Right. Those I, are the best seats, some of the best seats in sports, if not the best seats in sports. The the court side seats at an NBA game. Good for KD. Said these fans shouldn't have been run. Uh, I, if it was my organization, I'm running those guys. They're not coming back. But yeah, that's, you you have no right to do that. You know, that's, come that's enjoy the game like you were sitting in anywhere yeah. else in the stands. Just because you're on the floor doesn't give you a right to be a dick. Yeah, exactly. 100. percent All right, awesome. We've, we've we've ended this podcast in agreement, which I love. Austin Carp is the Sports Business Journal managing editor slash digital. Also, check out the sports media podcast that SBJ puts out. Uh, Austin just had a really good conversation with Taylor Twelman, who's been on this podcast. Always an excellent guest. Uh, highly recommend if you got a podcast and you're interested in soccer, bring Taylor on. And again, I would expect Sports Business Journal as they uh, you know move into the post Oran Marshand era. To get some uh, to get some great guests, I would imagine Austin, you'll eventually have uh, uh, other staffers, uh, you know, join with you. Whether it's the mm-hmm. aforementioned Ben Fisher and, and and others, you got some people who have, who have been who have been on this podcast and who have been excellent guests. So it's not like you have it's not like you lack for audio talent. All right, we thank Austin Carp obviously for his insight and uh, his time. If you like this podcast, obviously head to the archives and check out our latest stuff. Sue Bird preceded Austin uh, to five gold medals between Sue Bird and Austin Carp when it comes to the Olympics. <laughs> um, director Kristen Lapis, uh, one of the great sports documentary directors, she just did the Giannis doc that Amazon did. Alex Sherman, CNBC, I think we mentioned him on this podcast, was on this podcast in February. So was Kenny Smith, and so was uh, Noah Eagle. I'm just giving you my guest list, Austin, so you can sort of compare it and see see who you guys can have on. I can only try yeah. and emulate, Richard. <laughs> you know, go aim higher. Um, so, again, if you like this, please leave us a five-star interview and a nice note. That's how this podcast continues. Do the same for the SPJ one. Uh, comments uh, comments have impact. People do look at the comments. People look at the stars. And, and if, you know, they might give it a sampling if they've never tried it before. Thanks, as always, to Patrick Antonetti for his hard work. Thank you to everybody at Odyssey for their support. Most of all, thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.